0: What's up, everybody? My name is Cole Harris, and welcome back to the Kingdom Vision Podcast. I just wanted to make this video to give a quick intro into this week's podcast. This is going to be part two of the two-part series, Baptist to Charismatic, Finding the Holy Spirit. Crazy title, but also kind of true. Um, pretty pretty full episode we got for y'all here, so uh, let's jump into it. But the more and more I've become like a child, the more and more everything that I believe is the Word of God, and I don't take... It and add my own thoughts to it it's just it says it so I believe it right and the first one is five Second Corinthians five seventeen through 21 therefore if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation the old has passed away behold the new has come all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that is in Christ God was rec- in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation therefore we are ambassadors for Christ God making his appeal through us we implore you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God verse 21 is the one that's going to wreck your whole life for our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So, I'm going to present the first big thing that religion has taught you that's wrong. The first one is verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The meaning of us being a new creation, that when we repl- when we place our faith in Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit. We are cleansed by the blood of the of of the Lord, the perfect atonement for our sins. We are a new creation, right? But a lot of us think it's like a new car, okay? It's new at one point, but then uh, you drive it for years and years and years. You get 100,000 miles on it. All of a sudden, it's no longer new. Miles representing sin, okay? We're new, so then now the more and more we sin, okay, we're now back to where we were. But the reality is is the newness of life is an everlasting—it's our, ever, our, our eternal identity, new. Mm-hmm. We are new because— if our newness would have wavered, that means the blood of Jesus wasn't perfect. Okay, so that means our identity, we are legally accredited the righteousness of Jesus, Second Corinthians 5, 21. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that what? In him, we might become the righteousness of God. We are legally accredited righteous in God's eyes. The the, the payment that we deserve because of our sin, Jesus took, and he didn't take it in theory. That's the problem with people. is like, this is like, motivational talk like it gives us dopamine hit to to then get us through our problems right it gives us oh like i'm the righteousness of god like now i can pay my bills this week it's like jesus wasn't didn't get a dopamine release when he died on the cross like when he took our death he literally died so that means in our righteousness that we are actually righteous like this is this is something of a magnitude that our religion and our christian culture doesn't speak of you know what I'm saying? And so just as God, I'm gonna read this, this is my notes. Just as God gave us our guilt, I'm sorry, just as God gave our guilt, shame, and sin to Christ, so God also gives Christ righteousness to all who believe in Christ. God now views and treats believers as having the legal status of righteousness. Here is the biggest thing I've learned is that Christians' greatest pride and arrogance is they are not worthy of this reality. Christians have a false humility. The biggest problem is that we think that there has to be a chasm between Jesus and us. We think, okay, Jesus lived a perfect life, but I can't live a perfect life. And so there's always this disconnect, which if you watch my video... This was the main—it and I was, it was such a well-thought video, even though it was a year and a half ago, because I was asking the right questions. But mm. it was like, people who think like this, they lower the divinity of Jesus and raise the ability of man. Being that, okay—and and the, the the problem is, is people think that when they use this language, it's because I just want to do miracles. I'm, I'm so consumed with experience. Yeah. I want to be like God so I can do all the cool stuff. It's not that. Yeah. It's so you don't have to—like, we want to be sanctified, but we can't have— too much sanctification we want to be free without this right yeah. here you can't truly it's, be it, free of guilt shame and condemnation it, you're only going to be partially free of sexual sin you're only going right. to be partially free of everything
1: it's it's more than just what you're going to get out of it it's actually jesus getting the reward of his suffering right that was what he did it for he didn't do it so that um you know we could still think feel see the same way right this is what he wanted, you know.
0: That's a freaking <laughs> bar, bro. Bro. <laughs> okay, so it. This line that I'm about to say, Todd White used to say it. I would probably word it differently than him, but he was on to something, right? Anxiety, depression, anger, sexual temptations, the desire for worldly gain, money, power, and influence. And Jesus experienced it all too. Yet he did not sin. Isaiah 53 verse 2. For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. Yeah. Hebrews 2. For it was fitting that he, for whom by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. How is it that Jesus could become perfect? It says, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. In Isaiah 53, he progressed. He had no form of majesty before them. This is the idea. Imagine a conversation Mary had to have with Jesus. Hey, Joseph is not your dad. Hey, uh, here's a crazy thought. Uh, I I was a virgin and and got pregnant by the Holy Spirit. So that means your dad is like the one the scriptures talk about, Father in Heaven.
1: Yeah, like there are people that treat it like... He was five years old. Had all knowledge, all power, all.
0: He had to progress. He had
1: he progressed right. He, he wasn't was, just like he didn't just like. He didn't have, the, Bible memorized at, three and a half, and he could, fly if he wanted to. Like he was he was subjected to, um, yeah. It's just it's, anyway. He, he was yeah. in the temple
0: when he was twelve years old, inquiring of the scriptures. Right. Looking for himself.
1: Right. Yeah. That's crazy.
0: Isaiah, uh, Hebrews 5 verse 8 Although he was a son he learned obedience through what he suffered and being made perfect being made being made perfect he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek to summarize all this is what I'm saying is Jesus lived the life he lived as a man was tempted in every way as we are all tempted so for, for what reason? So that we can have a hope and freedom from the things that plague us, yeah. right? If he didn't get tempted as I am tempted, how can I find freedom from what I'm tempted by? Which temptation leading to sin? He experienced it all, so now I have a way out. You know what I'm saying? Yep. What is the point in being accredited with something if we aren't supposed to function as such? The idea that Jesus performed and lived His life as a man offends us because religion has told us that there is a chasm between you and Jesus. The only way that Christian can actually walk in power is if the revelation that Jesus walked as we walk is fully understood. I experience anxiety, depression, anger, sexual temptations, desire for worldly gain, money, power, influence. Jesus experienced it all too, yet did not sin. This is our hope. This is our power. This is our freedom. That we have a faithful high priest who can relate to us. Yeah. See, the gospel religion told you was Jesus lived the perfect life that I couldn't. He died. He rose again. And because he was perfect, his atonement was perfect. So because I believe in his perfect sacrifice, I will go to heaven one day. That is the gospel. That's the fundamental gospel. But it is selfish to think that that doesn't change the believer somehow. Right, we believe in the 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 perfect atonement of Jesus, but if it doesn't manifest and have its way in you in terms of power and freedom and and authority here on earth, then it's incomplete. And so, any gospel that does not produce freedom in the believer is not the gospel. Which is a statement that is like literally, if I would have said this a year and a half ago, I would have freaked out. Jesus lived the perfect life, so yes, we will go to heaven one day. But first, repentance and freedom would take place because we can look to Jesus as our example. The greatest pride we see today is Christians struggling with sin because they believe there is a gap between what Jesus did and what is possible for them. Yeah,
1: so basically it's a circle. You sin because you think you're sinful, and you excuse it because you think you're sinful. Yep. And then you do it again. Yep. Because you're, you're sinful, so mm-hmm. you sin. And then you excuse it. You yep. know, You know, you're stuck.
0: Yep. Right. Being accredited with the righteousness of Jesus is supposed to produce behavior that mirrors the righteousness of Jesus. And yep. that's what I'm saying. It's a joke. Yeah. But we say if we don't believe this, then we say, Man, I want to be sanctified. That's a big word yeah. in Baptist culture, sanctification. It's it was used like justification and sanctification were the two most Baptist words I've ever it's a it's a biblical word, but it's the two most Baptist words ever. Sanctification yeah. being being made more and more holy on this life. Right. We wanna be sanctified, but we can't be too sanctified because then there has there we think that there has to be a gap between Jesus and us. What did Jesus come here and die for to give us his Holy Spirit and choose to dwell in us if it wasn't to be free? Yeah.
1: Well, the belief is that you become more and more sanctified. Like, by your works, you become more holy, Mm -hmm. right? And there's a difference between your works looking more like what you are and you becoming holy because of your works, right? Like, whenever, if, wouldn't God be interesting? Wouldn't Jesus be, I wouldn't say interesting. Wouldn't it be really weird if Jesus came, lived perfectly, died for us, did all the, the whole nine yards, right? And then he said, I'm gonna forgive your sins, but you're still sta- you're still sin stained, and I want you to hold on tight and clench really hard so you don't sin. Mm-hmm. Why would he? Why would he do that? Why? Why would he come? What's the point? Right? If he just said, "Hold on tight, clench really hard, and be good," right? That was you could already do that before Jesus came. Right? You could already yeah. live that life. Yeah. Right. Um. Now, you know, if he was saying that, he would just be saying you know, actually, I'm just doing this so you feel a little better whenever you sin. Now you have, now it's okay, right? But that's not really how Jesus works, right? Um, You know, are we to continue in sin that grace may, may abound by no means, right? That's not how Jesus works. And he's smart enough to know that you, he's going to stick people in a cycle if that's how he granted this opportunity, right? That's not how he did it. Yeah. So anyway.
0: But like, We have the Holy Spirit in us.
1: I'll just say it like this. I believe that sanctification is closer to stepping deeper into the reality of what happened the first day you became saved than it is to you being a good person. That's what I believe. I believe that the actions will follow. But it's more so you seeing more and more the ways that Jesus made you right, made you one with God, made you all those things. Right. And then your life will automatically mirror it as a as a man thinks. So is he right. Um, that's I mean, that's that's everyone believes that it's simple. Right. So anyway, I,
0: bro. But I the I just keep coming back to what you said earlier. It's a f- we ha- we display a false humility in the church, but the reality of all this is that Jesus died for a reason, and we are the for us to remain in our sin and our guilt and our shame because of our false humility is an insult to the cross. We are it has to be a reward for his suffering, yeah. And I want to go somewhere with this because we're this is all talking about signs and wonders, right? Miracles. I w- started it with sin guilt shame and condemnation first because like that's what we all it's like an easy off-ramp but this also same argument gets into the miracles healings loosening of deaf ears casting out demons all of the things this is the reason why christians should expect these things to happen in church um why this is a common question people ask well then if We can walk as Jesus walked. Then why do we pray for some people and they don't get healed? Why do sometimes things don't happen? Why do people die of sickness? Yada, yada, yada. And I love this conversation because this is one thing that I was wrecked over. And that's why I can never join with people who believe this because my personal experience said otherwise. Here's the conclusion I have. The Bible says, lay your hands on the sick. And they shall be healed," Jesus said. "In even greater things than these you will do, meaning all of the things Jesus did on earth, even greater. And when I heard that verse, someone told me that that was the establishment of the church, <laughs> like the 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 church, the the inclusion of the Gentiles, and the oh, I know is like what he meant. That's not what he meant. That it's was
1: a point of contention for us too. It was right.
0: Yeah. Here's what I believe. The Bible says, "Lay your hands on the sick, and they will get up." If it doesn't happen, it's almost like we're supposed to have faith. It's almost like, like the most trusted teachers that I now have like heard that explain it, like like the most, like a guy by the name of Dan Moeller, um, cool guy, a little crazy, but I love it. <laughs> he says he's pray he teaches on healing and signs and wonders and all that stuff. But his wife, I think his wife passed away from an illness, or his mom. Something like that. And it's very powerful when he talks about it because if he's preaching so much about healing yet his personal experience says you should have a theology that does not teach healing. But his biggest heart cry is I will not be offended and I will not, not let my personal experience and my hurt, mm-hmm. which is the whole thing we talked about the American gospel, form a theology that the Bible doesn't say. The fact yep. of the matter is, I don't know. I don't know how the same as like i don't know how god's sovereignty aligns with my free will it's like two railroad tracks that i won't know until i get to heaven and get to ask jesus myself yeah i don't know why people don't get up get up from the wheelchairs when i pray for them every time but i know do know it's a command from scripture to get up and pray and that we're going to have faith and keep praying and not then by our personal experience extract in form of yeah. theology about it
1: i mean isn't it such a selfish thought to have that I prayed for someone they weren't healed and now I feel bad for myself not the person that didn't get healed mm-hmm. maybe that's the problem right like something you're talking about with William with like do you feel embarrassed or do you feel bad that the person didn't get healed right because why would why would you feel um w- what's the word um um sorry uh, people people are worried that if you have the theology that when I pray for people, they should be healed. They're worried that people are going to step into condemnation. Right. Mm -hmm. How can you be condemned if you don't care how you look? How can you be condemned if you don't care if you look silly, you don't care if um, whatever, if you, yeah, you don't care if you look silly, if you don't care about that and you only care about the person you're praying for, you will only feel bad because it didn't happen for them. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. So
0: Pastor William told me that, you can summarize it all in we need more compassion.
1: You're going <laughs> to... You look foolish if you pray for the, someone with the tumor sticking
0: out of their face. That tumor to go and it doesn't go. Right? One of the biggest things that wrecked me is I would hear stories about tumors falling off people's faces. And in my heart, it's so sad to say I accredited that to they must be lying they're exaggerating they're lying they're something else is happening but there's no way that happened and i wouldn't verbally say that but in my in my soul that's what i felt and it wasn't till i got around people like gerardo pastor william keenan clark experienced a demon getting cast out myself these people that i trust i'm like these people don't care about signs and wonders they love the lord but they're walking in this power And I trust them and they're telling me that they have these testimonies of people getting healed that I became because it's like if you're surrounded by people who are cessationist and just feeding in your brain that God doesn't move in power. Why don't you get around the people who have seen the miracles in real life and ask them what they think about it? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like are are they all liars or do they all have bad hearts? You know what I mean? It's like a. It's a very simple excuse, right yeah like they can't <laughs> you know so even as much as I disagree with what people think in the conservative movement, I don't assume everyone has a bad heart yep I'm I actually assume the opposite every time I assume that you know that they that they don't like that they just don't see it how I see it. Mm-hmm. Do I believe that they will? Because, you know, because I believe that they'll be close to God and I think I'm close to God and I think that's why I think the way I think. Yeah. But I don't assume that they have a bad heart.
0: Like, And so I want to, I'm going to tr- make a final statement and transition into the next topic I want to talk about. But t- we're talking about this. And I know people are being stirred right now, Braden, of thinking like there's an, there is, they're scared to walk in that authority because of their false humility. And I think it's beneficial to talk about we're talking about signs and wonders and healing because it took me being around these people and having these conversations in my house like it's beneficial. But I think at the at the core that I want us to leave with with this conversation is the false humility is robbing you of yes, walking in signs and wonders and powers uh, powers <laughs> like we're power rangers or <laughs> superheroes signs and wonders miraculous things forgive me but it's primarily primarily robbing you, you of a close relationship yeah and being a friend to the lord yeah the people who thought like i thought i was thinking about all these things but i didn't know him on a de- i knew him and i was going to heaven i'm not saying people if you like you're not going to hell yeah you have a faith in the lord but you just you're white knuckling as you always say your whole faith cuz you just you're relying on yourself and the lord just wants you to come sit at his feet you want to be in the the ministry of sitting at his feet and the beautiful thing that i've come to learn is that the whole bible testifies to the lord wants to find his dwelling place amongst people i want to read this to y'all psalm 132 this is a conversation i just had today and i don't i don't care if it's broken but like this is the this is the whole gospel or the, every chapter and page of the bible talks about the lord wants to dwell amongst the people yeah and the Lord, meaning, it's an upside-down funnel, meaning the Lord wants to dwell with you. Yeah. And he wants to be your friend. Yeah. That is the, if you want to take a, talk about a thesis statement of the Bible, it's that the Lord wants to, you to find your rest in him, and he wants to be your friend. Yeah. If you look at Psalms uh, 132, this wrecked me this morning, and I had a great phone call talking about it. 132, Psalm 132, verse 3, I will not enter my house, This as uh, David talking, I will not enter my house or get into my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the Mighty One of Jacob. Verse 7, let us go into his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool. Verse 8, arise, O Lord, and go to your resting place, you in the ark of your might. Let your priests be clothed in righteousness and let your saints shout for joy. Skip down to verse 14, 13 and 14 for the lord has chosen zion he has desired it for his dwelling place this is my resting place forever here i will dwell for i have desired it i will abundantly bless her with provisions and i will satisfy her poor with bread so there's this talk of rebuilding in acts 15 it says it's a quote from amos 9:11 that we will rebuild the tent of david what what are we what are we talking about are they going to rebuild a town? are they going to rebuild a physical dwelling place for the lord no, it's not, this is not a physical building. The rebuilding of the tabernacle of David was the inviting of the Gentiles, was the inviting of a, a people that the Lord could dwell in, the, t- the tabernacle of David being a people that they could dwell in, right? This is going to get good. So I asked the question, well, what's so special about David? Like, why do they call it the tabernacle, of the, the covenant of David, the tabernacle of David? Why is David yeah. so special? David was the first person in scripture to say I want to build you a house God here on earth. Yeah. Lord, I want Lord, I want sh- to build you something here on earth. I want to I want to fu- build a place where you are glad to reside in. I want your presence here on earth. Let me build something for you. Moses, the Lord, he had to go up the mountain the Lord told him build a place of rest for me. And he built it perfect. Yeah. Even even Solomon Solomon was told to to build the temple, but David was the first one to be like, Lord, I want something for you here. Yeah. And it's crazy because you hear, you hear the things like for people who don't know the old Testament, like this is, this will not make sense. You need to go read, but there was this thing with the people of the Levites. You hear a lot about the Levites, the Levites, the Levites. They were the chosen people of God that were to go into the tabernacle of God and minister to the lord so the tabernacle was i'm is this worth getting into i think so okay uh, uh, yeah I okay think, i think so so the tabernacle was a fence and the outer courts was where there was a big old place where they would sacrifice the bulls the ghosts and the rams and those are the outer courts anybody could go in the outer courts yeah. but then there was the holy of holies where only the levites could go only the Levites could go in the most holy place yeah. because they were the chosen people that would minister to the Lord.
1: Well, there, yeah, there was, so there was, uh, there's actually three places, but, um, yeah, there's the outer court, inner court, and then holy there's the Holy of Holies. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I need to be refreshed on it.
0: No, too, but so. yeah, it's so.
1: The, the inner court, I don't recall exactly what they were doing in there, but. It it was was a more holy place than that that outer court. court. (laughs) (laughs) But
0: the point is, is that the Levites were the chosen. If you learn one thing about the Old Testament, God is very particular and specific about the things that happened in the temple. You were to sacrifice offerings before you would go in, only the people of the Levites could go. They had to wear a linen ephod. They had to wear, they wore bells when they They were. very obedient. Very obedient. There's very specific commands. You read numbers three and four, just go read. If they're, a lot of people skip over that stuff because they don't understand, but if it's anything, it's to show that the Lord is not joking around when it comes yeah. to his, the presence of like what should be done. So the Levites, this is all going to make sense. The Levites had to wear a linen ephod, and only the Levites could wear it, and it was punishable by death if someone else put it on because it was only meant for the Levites because God is very particular about his presence. Why is it that the that King David, If I don't know exactly where it's at, but King David... Put on a linen ephod, went into the presence of the Lord when he's not a Levite, and God didn't kill him. God didn't say you're punished by, by death, but rather, he like what made David so special that the Lord couldn't resist him? Mm-hmm. What made David so special that God couldn't say no to him? It's because he had a level of purity where he did not care about any rules. The primary focus of what his heart burned for was, Lord, come dwell here.
1: Like David wasn't even acting in obedience. It was like desire, affection, compassion. Um he was the first to reach to God and not God reaching to man. Mm-hmm. Right. It wasn't even that David was trying to be have the most successful worship set, the most successful ministry. It was like I just like want God to get like a, a place to, I want, I like, and I can't help but I want to be around it. Like I'm going to do it. Like I don't even care. Right. And so anyway, yeah. Like I, I, I think about all the time that there's beauty in acting and obedience and then there's something special about acting, um, not even having to be told. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that there's something special when you go, God. You weren't. You didn't remind me uh, today to come to you. I just want you, right? Yeah. You didn't have to tell me to come. Open the Bible day. You didn't put it on my, you know, heart. Whatever. I, I just did it. Yep. Because I wanted you. Yep. Right. That's like that's actual relationship. Yep. And not like, uh, you know, not relationship like your dad telling you what to do. It's it's relationship like a marriage. Yep. Right, very different. Yep. It's passion. Yep. It's desire. It's um I can't have enough of you. You can't have enough of me. Right? Yep. And so
0: the reason I went down that rabbit hole in like this what you're saying like there's a the what made God say David was a man after my own heart? Why did why didn't he say that about Moses? Why is there a covenant? Why did Jesus come from the line of David,
1: yeah. Because he he was the first. Okay, he is the first man to act like God to God, and not just God acting like Himself to man. Right, man after God's own heart. He was exactly what he said. You know, right? Like he said, "A man after my." It's such a. You only get that imagery once you actually understand. That's freaking good, right? But yeah, he's the first one to actually resemble like first time I feel like. God saw himself in man, right, since you know, before the garden. Right. Yeah, or yeah, but you yeah. know, since the garden, since, since Adam, Adam was since the fall. Yeah, exactly. Since the fall. Like I feel like he actually is like like I I see myself in him,
0: right? He David asked questions no one had asked before, not to not to discount Moses' faithfulness, not to discount anybody before David's faithfulness. But everybody was commanded in obedience. He no, he began to ponder the heart of the Lord like no one had ever done before. He asked questions that no one had ever asked before. So all this, what we're saying is that's why David is so special. Yep. Is he is tending to the heart of the Lord. He cares about the Lord's heart. Bro, that is wild because yeah. that is the number one epidemic, anemic thing about our culture today is that we don't care about the Lord's heart. And so that's why... The Lord named things after David. That's why it's the line of David, key of David, um, key of David. Uh, The line of David is what Jesus would come from. All of that is because he cared about the Lord's heart. But then it's crazy because, like I said earlier to start this whole thing off, the whole Bible is about the Lord dwelling amongst the people. The tabernacle of David is being rebuilt. And Acts 15, and it's been fulfilled, meaning that Gentiles have come in. We are Gentiles. We're not, I'm not a Jew. I'm not Jewish. So that means the only reason I can have access to the Lord is because of the Gentiles, the, the 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 covenant of David being restored, right? And so I read Psalm 132. For the Lord has chosen Zion, he has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell. For I have desired it. When we say the Lord chose Zion, to so this is this is about a specific time and place. The Lord chose and desired Zion to dwell, and he rested and he enjoyed it. What are we now? We are walking tabernacles of the Lord. Mm-hmm. So when we read Psalm 132, verse 14, that's God saying that about us now. That he is. I am his resting place forever. He will dwell in me forever and he has desired it. That is a wild, wild thought because the whole Bible is about, not about a promised land, like an Exodus. He's not, he doesn't, yeah, he's taking them there, but he's taking there that he's taking them there to be with him. Mm -hmm. In Revelation, the end of Revelation, what does he say? I will be their people. They will be my people and I will be their God. Everything, the whole theme is residing with the Lord, and now that we live in this new covenant, that the Gentiles are restored. Uh, the, the Gentiles are restored back to the Lord. We're reconciled to the Lord. The Lord is now dwelling amongst the people, and it's like that upside down funnel, like I was saying. Like the Lord resides among resi- resides amongst people. If He resides ro- amongst people, then that means He resides in me. Mm-hmm. This is like I'm excited to share. Like this is it. Like the purity of understanding that the Lord wants to be your friend more than he wants you to do things for him is where power comes, where intimacy comes, where the longing of your heart that there's more to this Christian life is where you'll find it. Right. Is being a friend to the Lord. And
1: He'll he'll ask things to do for your benefit, but whenever you desire to do things for him um, and not just for him but desire to just be with him Mm -hmm. then you'll actually like then you'll taste you know the heart of God obviously so you know you obviously get a better picture of God whenever you actually act like him towards him Right,
0: it kind of it'll it'll wreck you when you realize that the Lord's been trying to get people's attentions for generations and generations. (laughs) Like, Lord, like I just want to hang out with you.
1: Yeah, I mean that He made a garden to exist with a man, right? It's crazy. So
0: I don't know if you have any thoughts, but that's that's yeah, no, that's it for me. So that's another episode of the Kingdom Vision Podcast. Long one crazy one didn't expect it to be this be this long but these are all things that like to be honest it's like my heart it's like the gospel it's the purity of what I want to chase after and so like if you're confused like I'm gonna be revisiting these things I'm gonna be talking about these things I'm gonna get people who are more qualified I want to get Pastor William on I want to get all these people on that can speak to this in a deeper meaningful way and clearer way so like stay don't see this and just run off if you're confused. Just please stick with it. It took me it took me two and a half years to comprehend all this stuff. It started in twenty twenty and I I feel like I'm still trying to understand it. Like this is the heart of the Lord's will for your life. And so stay with us and thank you for watching. But we'll see you in the next one. God bless.